is the Chartographers. Everybody, uh, this is the <laughs> As you can tell, it's the Happy Hour Minisode, guys. Uh, and because What's the song where he goes, Lulu, Lulu, Lulu. Uh, is that so not the point? Funny. No, I think it's. We'll get back yeah. to All right. it. All right. I'll, hey, I'll hey. look at the track list and find it. So, in case you don't know, we're the uh, Chartographers. It's a Happy Hour Minisode. We just finished ranking all the albums of Harry Nielsen. It's me, Evan Soddy. It's Go Creator Taryn O'Reilly. It's our two all star hey. guests, uh, John Harvey and JC Shakota. Welcome back, guys. I think it's Think About Your Troubles at the end. He goes, at the end. He does do that, but that's not what I'm thinking of. You're so close. Thank you for the attempt. If you get a chance, listen to the ranking episodes of Harry Nielsen that we just did they're really good i was very happy with it it was a nice discussion but here we are happier mini so let's do the thing we do at the top of every happier mini so i can't wait to ask this question guys what's the worst harry nielsen song um, making whoopee making whoopee <laughs> i like that off of I'm, that that's I'm, the least I'm, worst of that okay, terrible okay but but wouldn't it be better if he didn't sing it like a fucking dirge, like every other <laughs> right. fucking song on that album? That song is funny. Yeah. And it should be funny. And instead, he sings it like all the other standards on Touch of Schmilson. And you know how I think he should have sung it? Back to back and belly to belly. You know what? You know what? That would have been more entertaining. Uh, in terms of actual, um, Moonshine Bandit. Oh, Moonshine Bandit is is uh, in the running for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it counts, but Joy or Spaceman. <laughs> Joy, definitely. Joy yeah. is just. I mean, it, most half of it's not a song. Yeah. It's just like this weird spoken word. You don't want to be a Joy boy. Oh well. Also, yeah. for me, Flying Saucer song. Oh yeah. I mean, it's it's That's sort a of a gimme, but it's just huh. it's I'll, so. I gotta idiotic. be honest. The way he just rolls into that Jeez, fucking chorus of "Sail Away" off. That's the way it is. Oh my god. Sail away. Yeah. Black Sails is just like Oof. that's a fucking dirge, it's man. It's rough. That's a hard one. I mean, I like dark shit, but that's yeah. I don't know. All right, so <laughs> we all said. I think we all said what we need to say, right? On worst song. Okay, Harry Nilsson has had a life though, aside from his three wives and other like crazy things that have gone on. And his seven children. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, six from one of those wives. Uh-huh. Like it's been it's been a goddamn journey. The uh, last one. Yeah. So let's, I mean, one of course, you can't talk about Harry Nelson without talking about his connection to the Beatles, because, like, aside from the love fest that went on, he connected a lot with fucking Ringo early on. Yeah, Ringo was best man at his last wedding. Yeah. Yeah, they made, uh, they made Son of Dracula together. Yeah. The, uh, you know, the movie I didn't even know existed until a couple years ago. Yeah. And no one needs to know it existed, quite frankly. Let's be honest. Terrible, awful, homemade movie that is Son of Dracula. And for all the listeners, because I know you're wondering this, I did in fact message Questlove on Instagram to see what he thinks about Harry Nelson being a hip-hop dude. I'm sure he's going to get back to me any minute, guys. Uh, We're tired. It's going to happen live during the podcast. (laughs) Okay, but actually, how amazing would that be? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Stay tuned. Listen, (laughs) Tritographers were once retreated by Stephen Droz, so we are working on something here. and he made a podcast after. Okay, okay, but one of the things that was mentioned about because we watched the Harry Nelson documentary, oh, I didn't realize one day, of the Daybreak. I want to say Daybreak off of Son of uh, Dracula is a fucking awesome song. That is 
should have been on Son of Schmielsen or something around that era. So Alright. Check it out. Cool. Check it out. The JC Corner. Cool. Hip yes. hop. Uh, but the other thing is that during the documentary, they bring out, uh, I guess, who was John Lennon's then girlfriend during his Lost Weekend when he was. May Pang? Yeah, yeah, when he was taking a separation from Yoko, and during which this time, uh, Harry, a little bit burnt out, they just went and fucking drank and destroyed yes. everything. John Lennon's uh, fabled uh, Lost Weekend. Yes. Including so. apparently when they went to a Smothers Brothers show at a comedy club and had to be kicked out be and because they were fighting with people and just making fun they were of them. Yeah. yeah, and if the thing is like Harry was on the fucking Smothers Brothers shows. We watched a televised yeah. appearance like back in the well, day. They liked the Smothers Brothers. They yeah. just thought it was like oh. You know, they right. thought that was funny. They thought like, they like, were like, adding yeah. bullshit. Yeah. They were here like, just fucking around. Is like, you know, they do better when you give them a hard time. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, they're just, that they're just like plastered. It was just, yeah. You know, yeah, John wasn't really a good. I think I said this before, but yeah. John wasn't really a good influence. Yeah, I mean, there was a whole. I think John was just not a good influence <laughs> in general. Yeah, yeah. He had a lot of demons, and those demons broke up the Beatles, well, and then fucked over. They had very similar childhoods, and like their whole story, like up to that point, was very similar. Yeah. John was abandoned by his father. And so was, also, you know, there's like a lot of problems that come, and they try to. There's a lot of many problems that come, and they try to impress each other. I yeah. feel <laughs> they like they like. Like stuff like yeah. there's some like Harry Nelson was like throwing like bricks through like apartment windows afterwards, and I think it was like literally only to like crack up John, like super like uh, elementary school stuff. Uh, he's my buddy. Yeah. yeah. Well, like yeah, he, like he worshipped the Beatles. Yeah. But then again, kinda... like the, the Beatles come up so much because of course without you wasn't a song that he did. It was originally a Bad Finger song. Bad Finger is probably one of the most infamous signees to Apple Records back in the day. A group that they what? shepherded in. Paul McCartney wrote songs for him, and also Paul McCartney wanted uh, Nielsen to write the puppy song off of uh, Goddamn Harry because he had signed a new artist and he wanted a single for her. She was 19 years old, and puppy song was one of those songs, yeah. But that makes sense, though. You think about the the songs that Paul used to write for Ringo, <laughs> you know, fucking... I mean, obviously, Paul sang Yellow, Yellow Submarine. Submarine himself, but... Uh, oh, no, Ringo, Ringo wrote... Sang yeah. Yellow Submarine. Ringo, Ringo wrote Octopus's Garden. Okay, yeah. but still... Children's songs yeah. is what they were doing, yeah. and then when you look at like Cuddly Toy, which has a dark twist, but on the surface sounds yeah. like a children's song. When yes. you get Daddy's song, like well, these covers are kind of Ringo songs. They're, a bit. they're yeah. Ringo's totally. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's I mean the monkeys probably wanted Ringo songs yeah. basically. That'd be the monkeys fair, were a pale covered imitation of. The Beatles. Not yeah. disagreeing with that, but to be fair, like Cuddly Toy does perfectly line up with all the other shit that the monkeys are writing. Like it's a pretty monkeys-ish song for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I just yeah. mean it makes sense that especially once he became friends with Paul, that Paul would be like, "You, you yeah. can write one of yeah. these songs that I like." Yeah, this piddly little, completely inoffensive, not about. Romance, which I think, yeah. you know, as we know, most songs are about. I think, like, it's such a big part of, I think, Nilsson also. I think he, I think, ultimately, other than, like, you know, maybe Sh Nilsson Schmilson and some other songs here and there is kind of a dude that has always appealed more to musicians, mm -hmm. artists, mm -hmm. critics. I think, like, yeah. even, like, that's why, like, JC would end up, like, liking maybe some of that later work. Because I feel like a lot, that's a case with a lot of people when you feel like, People who like like a like an artist back catalog, I feel like it's more like for other artists and shit, and it's like appeals to them even if it's like not as much to the public. There's just stuff there that's like maybe like too in the know uh -huh. or like not as like, wi like widely accessible. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. I think that's, I mean, that's part of it too as well, is that he, I mean, he had that artistic thing, but you gotta keep in mind, RCA, we wanted to, like, fucking drop them after a while, because Nielsen Schmielsen made bang. They did drop them. Yeah, that and Son of Schmielsen both they, got, went gold. But, like, but there was a part where his contract was about to end, and that's when John Lennon, like, went to bat for him, walked into the RCA offices. Which which album was that after, specifically? That was after Pussycat. I want to yes. say it was after Pussycat. Okay, but yeah. if, if, you, if you had gotten the Schmielsen albums, and then the next two albums that this artist turned in were A Little Touch <laughs> of Schmielsen and Pussycats, wouldn't you try to drop him? Yeah. yeah. And then 74 is like basically like a sea change year for music. Well, That's like the first disco year. Like yeah. the singer-songwriter guys, they, they, yeah. like they signed in the early and 70s, late 60s were kind of like on the way out. Yeah. If he had so. started recording Do It on Monday and they were hearing the sessions, they're they were like, like, oh, <laughs> fuck. Yeah. We, gotta get rid- we gotta get out of this. I guess I think even regardless of what you think of the quality of those later albums, they aren't necessarily they are not night late 70s albums nope no they aren't they are, like nope. they really are kind of Ex- out of time except that's the way it is it's sort of that that has like kind of an influence but that album also kind of sucks mm-hmm. so there you as, go as discussed in the yeah. previous episode that's the right. only one I could say that I flat out don't really like at mm-hmm. all so, I mean, we know a little bit about his biography, too, and we kind of mentioned a little bit how he recorded a little touch of Smilchen in the night because he felt like that was the last time he was going to be able to preserve his voice, and then during Pussycats, he fucking destroyed his goddamn voice due to John Lennon just constantly egging him on. Yeah. Why did he want to sabotage his career? Like, we talk about how psychologically he kind of wanted to, maybe? I think he's always had been a self-destructive guy, and I think after just achieving everything that he had dreamed of for the most part... Which Nielsen Spielson basically did, um, number I one, think, Grammy nods. And yeah. I think it would... I mean, sorry to play total armstring psychologist, but like also you end up achieving all that, and you're still Harry Nielsen. Yep. You know, I think you yep. still have all the demons, yep. and I think that's like what tweaked him out about it, is that's, that, like, I think he did it, and he was still the same person. I don't think he ever... That's like Kurt Cobain yeah. or any of those guys. Then, I think being famous or whatever successful is going to solve other problems and then it doesn't. It just enhances all the and problems. And then, yeah. you know... Wait, you still have all the problems, but now everyone's watching you have those problems. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's also, I think the bigger thing was, imagine trying to follow up the success to Nilsson Schmilson. Yeah. I mean, like, it's also, like, I imagine when he recorded it, like, I could easily see being an album, like, hey, this is really good, not thinking it's going to be this groundbreaking thing. And then you mm-hmm. get there and people are like, hey, this is one of the best albums of the year. Everybody wants to know what you're doing. Like, I mean, because like, some of these are like, I imagine, like, Jump Into the Fire probably isn't a track that you just go and sit down one day and write. I imagine uh-huh. it's, like, a thing that comes from some jamming yeah. out of nowhere, just, like, left-field inspiration. And I think that's kind of the case with most of it, that somebody's like, hey, do it again. Yeah. And I think another thing about Nielsen Schmielsen, in a way it is, like, kind of an anomaly because it is, like, so focused. But based on the things I've I've read and I've seen, I mean, him and Richard Perry, like, you know, it, it was not, like, a... They were not always on the same page, and I think I think really maybe Harry, if he had it his way, it would have been a much like all over the place kind of album, 
which is maybe why Son of Schmielsen is Son of Schmielsen, because it's like, this is the album I really wanted to make before. Yeah. But also, like, like, this crazy fucking, you know. To Harvey's point, though, like, with the success of a straightforward, for the most part, pop rock album, yeah. what are you going to do? Another straightforward-ish? Like, Richard Perry, he wanted to absolutely continue on oh, in that vein. Yeah. But he's, he's like... He wanted the same and, thing, but better, basically. Right, and that's the one, I didn't even mention during the podcast, but the one thing I do have a lot of respect for is that, for the most part, Nielsen never recorded the same album twice. Like there's vibes, there's carryovers. The songwriting these. is yeah. sort of similar, but but I I actually agree with you. I mean, maybe the early ones the, are a little samey, but they 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 do have kind of different vibes. The production at least has always had different had differences to it. Like different I think Arabelle is like yeah. a very kind of more produced. It has like a nice, very pretty sheen to it. Then you get to Harry, and it's raw. You're not really mixing the tracks as much. You're not doing that reverb. I think the point is like. Like the point, like has its like own unique vibe to it. I think when you get to it, like at least even if he's repeating shit, I think at least the atmosphere and the production qualities and the engineering have their own degrees and yeah. like their own qualities. To yeah, it. absolutely. And I think that's part of why he thought he could get away with that sort of thing. You know, sort of reusing things that had been successful for him in the past was because when he was going into each of these recording sessions, he did have a different idea of what he wanted the end product of the album to be. And so he could take the foundation of another song that he had already used and put a different song over it. Mm -hmm. And it would still, like, take the new album in a different direction. Yes. I mean, yeah, just, like, there's... I when they, I we should probably just have to talk about the documentary. I feel like we also probably took enough fucking pointers and learned yeah. enough stuff from it. But man, that's like it's a really great documentary. Yeah. I think even just also as a tribute to a person, I think I think there's like there's some like editing tricks that I'm like, okay, buddy. Yeah. But like there's oh, like yeah. but like I think as a tribute to a human being, like I think it's like one of the best you could make. No, well, the people they got on the yeah. thing. So that was you're exactly correct. It's I'm so glad you said me of I was literally screaming at the TV the third time they had a photograph of Harry with a person yes. and someone that they cut that he cut out of his life. And, and then it's that person fades out of the image and it's just Harry with like his arms sticking out, yeah. like where it used to be around yeah. somebody. And I was just like are you kidding me? Like, yes, I get it. He had his demons. He just, he sometimes was just like, I'm done with this person and never spoke to them again. Yeah, yeah. Which especially... It was a motif. By, you know, with modern standards, with everyone who's like, cut out toxic people, like, that sort of makes sense. Yeah. You know, sometimes you look at someone and you're like, this isn't working for me and you just have to stop. But... The fucking fade outs, man. And also, I couldn't handle it. Film, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" I mean, filmmaking, filmmaking wise, it's not like the greatest documentary ever. I mean, it's shot on like kind of like it's a pretty cheap camera. Yeah. 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 Also, yeah. wasn't it made in like '95? Right? No, I think it was 2010. Yeah. yeah Wait, roughly. really? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to believe with like the quality. It was shot earlier, but some of yeah. it was. I also have some issues because the person that was originally going to do it, I'm kind of a slight admirer of. Curtis Armstrong plays Booger and fucking what prevented oh, the Oh, really? Oh, but nice. he was supposed to do it because he was kind of associated in like he did like the original interview with Robin Williams. Like that was him, and yeah. then the producer of that, I think, kind of fucked him over 
and kind of like kind of took the reins of the production. Hmm. But they, uh, but like I think like I'm just a like oh god another editing trick that's like really weird when like just shit all over all over this stuff where they were like like, oh Harry was pissed and it cuts to like a like a picture of Harry with like an extreme red hue and like they yes they used the red tints all the time. Um, and, they, and they were having a really rough period, and then it goes, and it's like, but you know, they got Yoko Ono, they got Eric Idle, yeah. they got May fucking Payne. That's the crazy. That's like, what I got to give them credit for. Was and, guy, I, and, and like his original producer that he was like, Rick Gerard, Rick Gerard, yeah, who produced Jefferson Airplane and yeah. a bunch of other people. Yeah. First, he, yeah. What which album did he drop first? Two. Oh, after Harry, he does so some he, stuff on Harry. Yeah. So oh so like it was partway through Harry. Mm-hmm. I mean I think that it says a lot that obviously he had he brought in other producers for that's the way it is. And well well Harry ultimately Harry but well, like Harry produced as, himself after Pussycats mm-hmm. for the most part. Right besides those two that I just mentioned. Yeah, yeah. But I think that it's it's it says a lot that his best albums that we all agreed on are Ariel Ballet and Nielsen Schmielsen when yeah. he has someone else. Yes. Not not necessarily even calling shots the whole time, mm-hmm. but yeah. it's just someone else giving him suggestions, giving him direction. Because yeah. he was a very incredible technical performer. He was a really strong songwriter, but he didn't always have that that auteur's ear where he could take the song and mm. finish it. And I think that he really benefited from having a collaborator, mm-hmm. but he just mm-hmm. didn't... He well, was some- too you know, bullheaded to let that happen most of the time. Sometimes you need that person, you know, that outside person to kind yeah. of... Which is also kind of why I also really like the Nilsson Sings Newman one. I know it's not necessarily his songs, but I think just because he's also trying to do right by right. Newman, mm-hmm. I think, and also just the songs themselves, I think there is just like a more completed quality and I think it's like, I, I don't think he's trying, yeah, it's not like really kind of throwing things against the wall to see what sticks for the most part. Well, I mean, similar to that end, though, in terms of, like, the control of the songs, let's talk about Harry Nilsson covers. Because there's a lot throughout history. I mean, the obvious one, of course, is Three Dog Night, when they fucking went ahead and did... That's kind of what made it. Right, exactly. And, like, they took that to number one, right, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. Yeah, that was a chart topper. Number two. Number two. Number one and number two. Number twos are better than number one anyway. Exactly. (laughs) Kind of true. No, it's 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 a it's a trend. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then of course I remember one. Has, I mean, also was covered by Amy Mann, wonderfully on the Magnolia soundtrack. I remember mm-hmm. that as well. Yeah. Um, a very obscure one because I don't think there's a official recording of it, but I know that Jump Into the Fire is was frequently covered by LCD Sound System Live. If and you it watch the if you watch the Madison Square Ga- Ca- Madison Square Garden concert, Final concert yeah. which the concert is amazing, the documentary is bullshit. Yeah, documentary sucks. I have a lot of problems. It's like with him it. oh, Chuck Klosterman wants like... to verbally jerk you off. Cool. Oh, cool. Yeah, hey, that's... Chuck Klosterman, how about you read my Wikipedia page to me and put it in question <laughs> for me? Uh, um, yeah, oh, but like, it, so they do, yeah, it's, that's like one that I, it's just like weird places in indie rock where they showed up, like, I think Nilsson would have like shit his pants if he would have seen like LCD sound system cover jump into the fire. Yeah. Um, I have a weird one. Um, here's a song you guys have probably heard before, but you might not know it was a Harry Nilsson song. Let me tell you about my best friend. Really well 
That's a Harry Nielsen song. Yeah, for uh, the courtship of Mr. Eddie's father. Yes. Yes, that classic. Why did he never make a full version of that? I love that fucking song. So, but that's been used like you know, mostly ironically, but you know, in a lot of. He also wrote the screenplay for the Whoopi Goldberg was movie that, Did he use that in the Best Friend song? Yes. That, that horn line that you were just singing, <laughs> which is also in... Um, Daddy song? Daddy song. There are yeah, a lot of... Literally the same not thing. Not to be rude, but there are kind of a lot of nobodies in this uh, Harry Nilsson tribute album that came out in 95. <laughs> yeah, well, it was, the whole thing, um, I guess, was started what did they by do? Randy... I don't even know this exists. By uh, Randy 95. Newman, because he wanted to do an album of him covering Harry songs after Harry did him. That would and, be a tough one to do. Right, but he actually started doing it, and he's like, I can't do this, and that's why he yeah. started bringing other people yeah. in, because, yeah. This is a really weird one. That's so a lot the of Randy Newman curated... Did you check, yes. Yeah. Check this one. There's a Me and My Arrow by Adrian Ballou. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I gotta, wow. I gotta, I gotta hear that. Wow. It's not as it's dark as shredding. you think. Is him shredding? No, he's not. He's not. He's just singing. Yeah. I just want to hear a version, like an all instrumental guitar version. Jimmy Webb does. Adrian Ballou, you know what I Adrian Ballou's the guitar player does like the, the weird guitar noises and remains. He was light. in uh, Talking Heads. Oh, Ray and Light. <laughs> Ray and Light. Okay. And yeah. he also and, was in uh, King Crimson. And what, what Bowie albums? He was in a couple yeah. of Bowie. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, good stuff. Um, Can we talk about Aerial Pandemonium Ballet? Yes. Yeah, I know JC yeah. wanted to talk about that a little bit. Because yeah. it's his favorite album. I'm happy we didn't rank it, but I did listen to it this week, and it really is, I mean, you can really hear how inspired and confident he is at this point. Almost too confident at times. A little bit, sure. Because, like, but... the version of Daddy's song in there, because the original version of Daddy's song, His story of the man. And then on the fucking Aerial Pandemonium, His story of the man. It's just like, whoa, dude, this is the <laughs> yeah. first line of the song. You are going into I, the well, atmosphere. I think he, I think he just rewrote the melody a little bit to show off his voice more but he does repeat yeah. the melody that he rewrote yeah. yeah but i but also you're you're also not totally remembering the melody correctly because in the original version it doesn't go back up it just keeps going down and so i think that the the new version of daddy's is story of a man everything he can anyway oh, yeah they yeah. but i i i really like the new version on Pandemonium Ballet because it's so much more impactful because it's really him showing off. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I absolutely. Think, and I think I, because his voice was so good in this period, I just, like, I love listening to... Even if all of the new versions aren't better, it, they're still at least interesting. If you're a fan of Nielsen, I think that that remix album of his first two after he had the confidence of some success is more essential than like most of the albums post son of schmilson yeah i mean well it's it's weird it's it's a fascinating it's the first curio. album yeah. yeah and it's still i don't know if controversial is the right word but you know some people they they I don't. I don't think they they like that he did that. It's like it's kind of like when George Lucas like remastered Star Wars. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he hated like, Christensen like, his own album. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he kind of did. And some people are like, "Well, what the fuck? This it was. Why would you 
fix something that it was so broke. good the first time. Yeah, but especially with the aerial ballet songs, most of the time I'm like, I don't, I yeah, didn't yeah. need a new version. Yeah. Is that what got you down, Pussycat? You're listening to Harry Nielsen and he redid his songs to show off his voice. <laughs> Did you like his documentary, but his photos faded out? Weird people in his life he didn't name anymore. Well, rise up! Get his new album, Pussycats! Out now on RCA Records and Tapes. Meow. Meow and purr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, don't know, I feel, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, I feel bad for him in his life story, but also, like, yeah. it kind of, you know. He had a fucked up childhood. I mean, yeah, he, he had a fucked up childhood. You ever heard his uh, going across the country story when he hitchhiked across, like, America when he was, like, 15? No. That's not in the documentary for some reason, but oh yeah, he gets like picked up by truck drivers and they like ditch him in Mexico. Jesus then he has to, Christ. Then he has to like find enough pesos to get back across the border. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking batshit crazy story because he got something happened. He got like kicked out of a house somewhere in New York and he had to move back with his mom in LA. Mm-hmm. Like he went he went from New York to LA back to New York like two different times. times. Yeah, yeah, like crazy. He's like steely damn. He like lived in poverty, like you know. Crazy. What, what about I, Cowboy? Night Cowboy? What, no, what, do you, what, like, I guess I never fully processed the first time when I watched that documentary is, like, when the, when they said that, like, he had to rob a convenience store yeah, to pay the rent. Like, he, like I just, like, yeah. it, it kind of, like, flew by me, but, like, this time I watched, like, whoa, like, shit, whoa, like, he, what, yeah. what happened was his mom used to write bum checks. Yeah. Because they were basically in poverty. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, and she used to write a lot of bum checks, and she was in jail, so... He basically needed to. They needed like seven hundred dollars or something for the rent. Maybe it wasn't that much back then. I don't know what it was. It was like seventy bucks. It was like seventy bucks or something. But they needed seventy dollars, and so he stuck up a gas station, or whatever. And you know, it was a close call because there was like a copper out there. And but yeah, that's I copper. I thought the story was. Like it was like seventeen dollars or something. It might have been that much. It like was he went, it, like he it wasn't very was much. Like, well, I think he needed more, but didn't get what he needed when he robbed it. I think was the deal. Oh, I see. I thought, no, no, I thought he got he got just enough of what he needed. Right. Yeah. I thought he, he got asked it, like, for like the, a to, very specific yeah, amount. Yeah. He was like, I need seventeen sixty. Yeah. Yeah. That is, and then yeah. he, and he literally like something happened where it's like he dropped some of it or like he didn't get as much as he like he couldn't really count it yeah. or whatever, yeah. and then like but then he like went to the whatever the landlord or whatever and it was like exactly yeah so. well I mean, but then again I also feel bad for him though because he also ended his life in poverty too because I guess I think he came back before I don't think yeah um, he, he, yeah he started peddling his songs again and like getting he, he went bad because, but like, literally no the person who was his finance or his financial person who was actually managing all of the funds for his fucking songwriting royalties embezzled all of it, yeah. leaving him with three hundred dollars. That person went to jail, but never paid restitutions for some goddamn reason. Yeah, that's the, that's the legal system. They, um, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I think also it looked like at least I feel like his family still at least occasionally get, makes money from like you know what was it um, without you was like still shows up on random ass commercials. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was recording a comeback album actually yeah. at the time he died that was done. Yeah, he it finished done, his vocals. Yeah, but he what. Well, I think it might have been even a little more than that. His vocals were done, and maybe the album wasn't mixed or whatever, but it was done, and we've never heard it. 
I don't Which know. Which really, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, like there's, you can, there's, you can find tracks of it online. Yeah, it's I heard, like, stuff that was never released, yeah. though. But yeah. here's the thing. We are the chartographers. We are a cultural institution. Real Steven Droz and maybe Questlove know who we are. Use your leverage, <laughs> fans. Campaign. Hashtag Harry Nielsen album now. They, Make um, it happen. Nielsen yeah. now. The, uh, like, the one thing, Posture even though, like, Nielsen. most of them, like, don't turn out good, I still would have liked to have seen, like, the cliche thing where you get, like, the young hot an up-and-comer, like, teams up with, like, Harry Nilsson, like, in, like, the 2000s, like, try and make an album, like, that, like, like, who I would, feel... Who would that be now? I don't know. Danger Mouse. I, I feel like it would I think, I feel like he wouldn't have made it. He wouldn't have made it now, but I think if he made it to, like, the 2000s, I feel like you could have maybe done, like, the James Murphy yeah, produced like one. Yeah, like, 2004. I'm trying, yeah, 2004, fucking... I feel like yeah. Rick Rubin would want to have a crack at it and it'd be terrible. Oh, yeah, I just feel like if he could have, like, teamed up with maybe some, like, high-prominent indie yeah. artist or something like that, or, like... Like, have a band, like, do it, like, Stephen Malkmus and the Jicks back. Or, yeah, or, or even yeah. he just, like, he works, like, on a different song with a different artist, which would have probably actually sucked even more. Yeah. But, like, yeah. I just feel like he could have... I feel like once you get to, like, 2000s, like, indie rock, especially some of the twee shit, I think there's, like, more room for, oh my like... God, you guys... What? Nilsson does Sufjan. Nilsson does Sufjan. I could have. I yeah. could actually see see those two release right? yeah. in there's, a weird way. The yeah. Whimsy. Yeah. Yeah. The whimsy and them taking themselves both seriously and not seriously at all. Yeah. Like, I um. Yeah. I just feel like the, you could you could have probably found some like interesting setup where I feel like. I, th I think, yeah, I just think, like, because he became, like, such kind of, like, a, a name-check kind of dude for, like, record collectors and music nerds, yeah. you know? Yeah. His voice was fucking shot. Yeah. You know? I mean, like, if you think it was bad, like, post-Pussycats, it was... Also, I mean, I think his voice was, time to retire. was still really good, but I think also there was... Eventually you just sort of hit return, diminishing returns from age. I mean, like, before he yeah. even shot out of his voice, I like, once he gets to Sh Nielsen Schmilson... It's kind of in that really amazing Kermit the Frog kind of voice versus like <laughs> his like youthful like eighteen year old voice like the willow weeps and the kind of sad. and then eventually like he's like nah, 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 nah. yeah like he kind of gets the old man voice. I don't know. Sometimes when he's so youthful, yeah. it's it I, I it's not my favorite. Okay, I prefer you know, his mid period. I more, definitely but prefer it. his mid period because it I always think that a more mature voice is more effective when it's when it's a mature voice yeah. that's been taken care of like oh, just imagine if he hadn't blown that shit out imagine how good like Knilsen or Sandman would have been he when with like real full Nilsen multi-octave vocals you, happening and you just and then instead you'd see artists like doing duets with him instead of Tom Jones yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. infrared that semen be, coming through that might be the part night. of the reason he uh, made Aerial Pandemonium maybe he didn't like the way his voice sounded on the other records compared to like, yeah, once he discovered that like, he had like in a way right like maybe yeah. he thought that was a more authentic I, I don't know. I love that because I just don't think I've ever heard anybody that sounds remotely close to that type of like to his type of voice that he had for those first two albums. Early Bowie. Dave, I do Dave, Bowie Dave now. <laughs> totally not. Bowie's like also, too British. Also, for that. listen, Bowie, okay, he could not no, mouth no. trumpet for if shit. You, yeah. If you remove the wah, Britishness wah, 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 from Bowie, it's also just not that high. It's in the same. It's in the same like nasal area though. That same like smiley wah. twee like I'm so jaunty. I, like yeah, but like it still like lacks like 
I think, but also with like that type of capability. I mean, like maybe like some of the Beatles stuff, but even then, like I just don't think it's like the same type of tone that he had at like that like early twenties phase. Just in terms of like, I don't know. I personally don't think there's much to compare. Well, I think he Harry Nielsen could join the gang. It's also definitely it's a a song by song basis too, which I think is why I also prefer the mid period because he is consistently just singing beautifully, whereas I feel like on the first couple albums, he did do... Mm. He experimented with voices. He did he did characters sometimes. Like, he was almost a little more chameleonic and did a vocal take that the song called for, whereas I feel like in those mid-albums, he was just, like, letting, letting his voice open up, letting him, mm. like, being virtuosic and and acrobatic... I feel yeah. like in the middle albums, there's less, like, production with his voice than on the earlier records. Mm-hmm. Early yeah. records, it's more like, here's, like, ten of me. Yeah. But all in the, in the end, I just also don't think, in terms of, like, the full spectrum of talent, there's really, like, maybe two or three other people that I think really could compete with his abilities. Mm-hmm. Like, in terms of, like, the full package, quality, range, intensity, and ability. Like, I think you've got, like... I do mean vocally or... Vocal, well, just the whole vocally. thing. Vocally. Well, just well, a little... I mean, for me personally... Not many singer-songwriters can fucking sing like this. Just, like, I think these, like, between, like, Freddie Mercury and, like, Whitney Houston we were talking about, mm-hmm. I think are the only people... Like, sure, you may have somebody that can maybe sing more intensely or has more, more range, carry, yeah. but I think as, like, the full package, like, I don't... I think those are the only two competition that he really has. There are very few guys, I think, who wrote hit songs for yeah. other people who could sing better than the fucking like, who people you, who, who would you say songs. is above I, that? I respect like, him a lot, but I just don't put him vocally in that same echelon. So I who just, would you put there, then? I, he's an amazing I, vocalist. I mean, you're comparing him to Whitney fucking Houston? Yeah. Like, well, no, it's it's apples and oranges. Like, sure, again, technically this he is, why is very skilled, but he just doesn't, he doesn't have the texture, which totally is something does. that you can't teach. I mean, I Whitney just, has, like, one texture. Kind oh, of. my God. Yeah. You're <laughs> not you're wrong. Sorry, oh my God. You, you didn't do the Whitney episode. I'm I don't I'm with think John. <laughs> she has one. Wow. Like, <laughs> you guys... This, I, is what's up. Look, this is why you can't debate with singers. He's like, very, I am a singer. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You can't yeah. debate with them. They'll be like, no, this person is perfect. Let me tell you why you can't... I'm not saying... <laughs> I get what Taryn is saying, but I do think... I'm saying that I don't think he's that interesting of a vocalist. I really don't. I think that he's like the Jesse J of the early seventies. He has a lot of he, he, he has a lot of skill, but he his personality does not come through in his vocals as much unless he's playing a character character. When he's when he's singing ballads, it's like it's good and it and there are certain ballads where he knocks it out of the park, but a lot of times it's just he's just singing a song. And you get that across his whole discography. Sure. <laughs> I, I know the I know the point I'm trying to make. I guess I just just I just with yeah it. <laughs> I just don't know like then like for me then it's like well then who like who well, yeah. yeah if like that's not good then everything's shit. Luciano <laughs> Michael Bublé, Lil Pump, you know there's a certain like, degree of. I'm not people. saying he's not good. I'm just saying you're giving him a like I do a th- little too much credit. I think he deserved the credit. I mean, I'm not yeah. saying that, <laughs> I mean, without you, everybody's talking. Okay. Um, my thing without, is without you, he ha- he shows incredible range and he belts the shit out of it, and 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 he emotes too. But it just it just. 
it could be sung by other people and it would be just as good. Yeah, like, 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 like Mariah Carey. Yeah, Mariah Carey. Yeah, okay. <laughs> solve the, the fucking issue. Right there. I hate Mariah. I think, you know, I think we can say that Mariah Carey was the best vocalist she's ever. Like, she's basically like Harry Nelson without a penis. That's really all. Awesome. <laughs> Let's be real. Also, guys, we're getting to a real dark place with our conversation, so I'm just gonna go ahead. and throw 35 minutes in. I'm gonna cut us off here at the hilt. Uh, if that's okay, unless anyone I'm else getting says, feisty. He's getting feisty. Uh, but seriously though, uh, guys, thank you so much for being on our fucking Harry Nelson journey. I appreciate it so much. Uh, fans, I know you have probably a lot of comments, and we want to know who you think is the best fucking technical vocalist of all time. Put that in the comments. Not even of all time. Of the 70s. Of the, okay, the 70s. Yeah. Do that. Also throw us on Twitter at thechartographers or thechartographers at gmail.com. Find us on our Facebook. That's probably the easiest, though. Let us know through a ranking on iTunes if you feel like it. Again, I have a cookie in my pocket. Most importantly, though... Thank you so much for listening. I really want you to keep up listening. Go, go watch Skidoo. Because you know there will be watch Skidoo, apparently. <laughs> no, no, and maybe Popeye, if you're feeling particularly sad for yourself. But hey, the credit songs are both amazing. Uh, guys, thank you so much. Goodbye! And good night. <laughs>